another episode of Small Town Gospel Podcast. I'm Alana, here with Alex, and today we're talking about false teachers. Alex, what do I mean by false teachers? It's just Dwight Schrute's oh, favorite boy. topic. False. <laughs> uh, Fact. <laughs> uh, but in all honesty, yeah, just being able to discern within uh, the Christian church between what is true and what is not true. Um, and then there's just grades of seriousness when it comes to error. Mm-hmm. Sometimes um, people are just uh, mistaken and it's relatively harmless. Um, and then the more serious the error or the more public the person is who's wrong, uh, the more serious it becomes. So mm-hmm. today we're just going to take some time to kind of hash out uh, what we mean when we talk about false teaching or false teachers and uh, what some appropriate responses to those uh, errors might be. Um, And before we jump into kind of the nuts and bolts of that, uh, I thought we could just spend some time discussing uh, our own personal encounters with false teaching and maybe how we individually responded to it um, or like how the mentors in our life encouraged us to respond to it, stuff like that. Yeah, so I, in previous episodes, I've talked a lot about how during my college years, I really uh, wrestled with all of the big topics that people... uh, talk about in theology and end time studying and what do I believe about the sovereignty of God and all of that. And uh, at the same time of me wrestling with all of this, a few big names were uh, really taking off and had a lot of influence in a lot of people's lives around me. And so some of those names would be Mark Driscoll and the Mars Hill Church being planted in Phoenix where I was going to college. And that was happening right in that 2014 time, which is also the downfall of Mars Hill uh, when that was starting. Then there was Hillsong, New York's pastor Carl Lentz, who was just like taking over in his uh, awareness of like who he is and his church and the music and all of that. There was Elevation Church's pastor Stephen Furtick. There was Todd White. There were lots of people who... Uh, really thought highly of Joyce Meyer, like the list goes on and on. Uh, And they all were making it big during my college years. And uh, it was just really interesting to have these convictions uh, of what I later found out was uh, more theologically aligned with the doctrines of grace, while then being in a culture where all of these people who uh, definitely would not be aligned with the doctrines of grace are like the hottest new item or whatever. And I really did struggle with hearing worship songs or listening to sermons or reading uh, devotionals and thinking to myself, like, how does the sovereignty of God apply to this? Hmm. And how can we say that when we serve God, all that will come to me is health, wealth, and joy. And if I'm not doing that diligently, then I won't get that. Like, my worth is in how diligent I am, and therefore I should be being blessed. Mm. Um, And so 
I kind of, as I started really defining my terms and taking stances on things, I was a lone person in all of this where a lot of my friends really uh, were hip and with it and into the Hillsong Elevation stuff. And although there is music that I really like by those groups, uh, I could not get on the bandwagon of their theology and get behind their uh, statement of faith or go to their churches or listen to their sermons. Um, and even in the music world, there's a lot of their music that I simply won't listen to because of their theology. Sure. Uh, and then it turns out that um, just how it is, some of these people have even like fallen out of ministry. For instance, Carl Lentz has been accused, and it seems to be true, of sexual allegations, and he is a fallen pastor now and not teaching, and it just seems to be so common in this trend of, like, this popularity or whatever rises, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden this huge downfall of personal sin occurs after they were just saying, like, look at how God has blessed me for my diligence. Right. Uh, and there's even some of these people that I listed that have even said that because of their focus of how like, they've studied scripture and have become more like Jesus, they've reached a good behavior enough that they're even sinless. Hmm. Uh, and that, to me, is just like baffling to be able to say, I am without sin. <laughs> so yeah. um, all of... The people that I listed, I don't really listen to, but it was just interesting how all those names that I did list or that I did list really played an influential part in how my uh, theological questions came up and why I asked you so many crazy questions. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, in my upbringing, uh, there. I guess for me, it was just a little bit more like in the context of small town ministry. So there was the uh, the biggest church in Sandpoint was uh, the first Christian church, and they uh, had a doctrine of baptismal regeneration where uh, you must be baptized to be saved. So uh, because of that church and the shadow cast by how large and successful it was, every other church had to kind of um, define the relationship a little Mm -hmm. bit between themselves and that church. And so my parents, uh, when I was growing up, um, attended churches that aligned with the group that was opposed to that. And I I think that was clearly the right decision. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, kind of right when things sort of settled from from those battle lines, I guess, then a, a new, very, what you might call seeker-sensitive church started um, that was all about, like, building the brand and everything. And uh, people had to sort of uh, figure out their response to that approach to ministry. And so um, as a teenager, when I became a Christian, trying to figure out, okay, clearly Christian unity is important but we lived in this community that was just um there was constant division and me as a very young christian trying to figure out like is this division good or bad and then there were more 
widespread big picture things i'm old compared to you so <laughs> the controversies um back in my day were like responding to rob bell oh yeah uh or um a book came out called the shack uh where um god is kind of presented as um three people uh two of which are women mm -hmm. and people you know have the reaction to the trinitarian heresies associated with it um the egalitarian undertow of that how serious is it is it not that big of a deal that kind of thing so um yeah especially for a young christian thinking through what does it mean to see all these um exhortations toward unity while also seeing all these exhortations to like contending for the truth and pointing out false mm -hmm. teaching and how do those things coexist and then it um it gets simple um as you've been a christian for a while which is um, be unified around truth mm -hmm. um, and it, if something's not true you're not necessarily supposed to be unified with falsehood yeah so um, it's not really that complicated but um, it can feel like it is sometimes yeah so I think before we start there's a few really great passages of scripture that can just help us to understand uh how we're supposed to look at truth, how we're supposed to look at scripture, and uh, I guess get like a baseline of what we believe, why, and why it's important then to point out uh, people who are false teachers. Uh, so one of these verses is 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 2, that says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Uh, so this passage shows that it is important to take the word and entrust it to people who will be reliable to teach others uh, because there's other passages of scripture that talk about how uh, much weight those who teach have in uh, how they will be judged by God for teaching. Yeah. And the only hope that we have of what we believe having any correlation at all to what, you know, the Apostle Paul believed is if generation after generation has done Second Timothy 1, 2, and 2, where mm -hmm. you know the truth, you teach someone else the truth, and you teach them to teach others that mm -hmm. truth accurately. Yeah. Uh, and so we have... We have scripture to, to go back to, um, but it has to be handled with care because mm -hmm. false teachers use scripture yeah. all the time. So uh, that kind of uh, dependability that the Spirit enables his people to have is uh, just absolutely critical to the Christian message. <laughs> yeah. um, Matthew 28, you've heard us say this a time or two. Uh, Jesus came and said, them, uh, said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Here's the key. Teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. <clears throat> and uh, John 14, 6. Uh, you may have heard this one before, too. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So 
uh, just the absolute um, core fundamental place of truth and uh, accurately teaching the truth um, personified in Jesus Christ. Yeah, one of the things that we will talk about later on in this episode is um, the difference between like disagreements within the church uh, in comparison to scripture and then just straight up false teaching. Uh, and I think it's important to come back to this John fourteen six verse of like, there is truth in what salvation is. And when you sway from Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, and that's it, uh, and salvation being by grace alone, uh, that is where the definition of like wrong teaching versus false teaching, in my opinion, is the difference maker. Um, False teaching is when you go against Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, and us being saved by grace alone, through faith alone. Yeah. Yeah. Com- uh, totally agree. Um, and uh, there in Jude, we have uh, an interesting... We, we talked before about the unity and the contending for the faith, and uh, it shows up here in Jude 3 where it says, Beloved... Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, so there's the unity, Mm -hmm. I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Mm -hmm. So there's the, there's a, there are certain situations and circumstances where um, fighting and drawing battle lines is absolutely necessary. Yeah, so as... We uh, hold to those truths of scripture. I think it's really important to look at the fact that when there is false teaching uh, that we see, it is part of what we would call spiritual warfare or deception of the truth that we uh, have. Do you want to? Yeah, the... uh, The enemy of our souls and the... Uh, antagonist of the church has every motive conceivable and inconceivable sorry (laughs) Uh, to get lies mixed in with the truth um, and to cause confusion uh, about biblical doctrines um, and to make Christians uncertain of what a biblical worldview or lifestyle looks like. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's cunning enough to be able to, uh, you know, if he came up to a Christian and however he works his temptation and all that, but if if he tried to appeal to us... um, uh, God's no more real than the Easter Bunny. A Christian would say, that's not true. Yeah. Uh, but if he um, just adds a little falsehood to a lie or removes just a little bit from the truth, uh, he can start sowing the seeds of confusion little by little. And uh, so we have to be on guard. And that that's why um, false teaching, even if someone's not trying to be destructive... That's why we still have to take it pretty seriously um, and and try to nip that in the bud before it becomes deadly. Yeah, uh, 
there's when you think about just like taking one little part away and it just being a few degrees off of the truth eventually that few degrees is going to take you very far from the road of truth and you're going to be wandering in a whole new camp um a whole new world. <laughs> exactly <laughs> and i i really have seen this uh where it's just like one or two things and then all of a sudden years later it's like are you even a christian like yeah. you totally forgot about what salvation is and who god is and how you are a sinner in need of grace right uh you are not a sinless saint because you have been saved by the blood of jesus like you are a sinner in need of a savior yeah um and it happened just slightly over a few different verses and taken out of context here and there and then all of a sudden you're like on this whole new trajectory um and it's it's crazy how at first it's almost appealing uh especially the theology of like the lord's blessings in our life it can be appealing to think like if i'm a diligent follower of jesus i will be rich i will be healthy i will be uh doing well um and truly putting all of your eggs in that basket what happens then when your mom gets cancer and dies mm -hmm. where is your faith like what is your faith essentially yeah. and how does it then like it just crumbles because it's not of any worth other than like fleshly desire yeah and and ju just to show how subtle it can be you know there there are um there are passages in scripture that talk about you reap what you sow mm -hmm. and the uh so someone could come along and simply say um aren't there aren't there wonderful blessings um in obedience and, and is isn't it a wonderful thing to follow the commands of the lord and and find his blessing as a result and we go yeah and well, what might those blessings look like and they can just use common sense things of like uh say you uh stay off drugs wouldn't that make you healthier and honor the lord well yeah well wouldn't it surmise then that like you honor the lord in in these ways and you become healthier mm -hmm. and in these ways over in the financial realm you get more financially healthy mm -hmm. and you're yep yep you're <laughs> on the runway then and then just um because they haven't told a lie yet yeah and then you're just one once you're on the runway you're just one believing one small lie away from being in the air yeah um, and you're no longer grounded in truth and so um that metaphor worked better than i thought it would <laughs> i'm proud of myself <laughs> oh boy um Anyway, usually my metaphors, like, the wheels fall off before they get on the runway. Oh, boy. But, uh, anyway. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, we just, uh, that's one of the key roles for me, for instance, a, as an elder, mm -hmm. is to, to be aware of these things. Um, probably the most common path that takes these days is um, in regard to... Um, sexual ethics or god's design of humanity mm, mm -hmm. uh and usually people just start they they know what the cultural doctrine is which is you are how you identify and you don't want to be um untrue or inauthentic to who you are and so you need to figure out a way to make 
scripture jive with your perceived identity Mm. and um so Audrey Assad is a um, formerly Christian singer. She became Catholic, and then uh, eight to ten years after that, um, is just flat out not a believer of any sort now. Mm-hmm. And it pretty much followed this, um, you know, hopping on the sexual revolution bandwagon. Um, and now she, you look at pictures of her uh, ten years ago. Um, versus pictures of her today and you you can see uh like oh this person um is rejecting like every biblical norm of gender now and she didn't used to so um yeah it's just good to be aware of uh the the battlefronts and um pastorally to know how to uh help people um with where the enemy might attack them specifically. Yeah, so then how do you tell the difference between false teaching, which leads to death, and incorrect teaching, which can be debated or maybe, yeah, I don't know, differing in opinions? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so if, if any of us are honest, um, you're not right yeah. about everything in the Bible. Um, you have some beliefs that aren't true. Um, you don't know what they are or else you would change what you believe, yeah. right? Same thing with me. Yeah. Um, I'm, um, it is certain that I am wrong about certain, certain things in the Bible. So um, simply being incorrect about something in the Bible doesn't make you or I a false teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you have to teach it mm-hmm. <laughs> to be a false teacher. So if someone just holds a wrong belief and doesn't say it, they're obviously not a false teacher. Um, and then also it just depends on the seriousness of the error. Yeah. Um, so I just uh, think it's important to just kind of go back and understand. Um, we, we've talked a few times about those categories of there's issues that you die for, issues you divide for. Um, debate for and simply decide for and so what category of error are you dealing with Um, is it the divinity of Jesus or is it the mode of baptism yeah Um, uh, you know I probably wouldn't um, write a book um, correcting someone if they pour water over someone to baptize them rather than dunking them Mm -hmm. Um, it it's not that serious of an error if they say Jesus is not God Mm-hmm. Um, I might write a book about that. Probably not, but someone <laughs> should, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I've really <clears throat> thought about this a lot lately, especially with just so many of the online discussions happening, where uh, you're debating baptism, or you're debating modesty, or you're debating all of these things that we have differing opinions on, and yet the foundation of what salvation is is clear and therefore like you can have these discussions you can debate sure you can divide whatever (laughs) um but where false teaching comes into play is when all of a sudden you're blaspheming uh or falsely teaching what the trinity is or you're saying that there's more than one way to get to heaven or you're depending on what you kind of were talking about with the sexual ethics uh you're trying to depend on or shape or mold christianity to 
fit into who you are and making your self-identification uh, be allowed mm-hmm. in the sight of Jesus where like the foundation of Christianity is that you're a sinner right? Uh, and that you're dead and you need to be alive and the only way that that can happen is through Christ. There's nothing that you can do to mold yourself or fix yourself or make yourself known to Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I think that that's a really good finger on the pulse to keep. Yeah. And on this whole issue, uh, the trick is in the middle. So what I mean by that is uh, pretty much everyone agrees on the poles of um, if you say that Jesus did not rise from the dead, Mm -hmm. um, you're a false teacher. Um, Except for Jesus, who did rise from the dead. (laughs) uh, if, If you... Uh, have a different preferred style of music in church. Um, very few uh, Christians would say like that. You're damned to hell over that issue, yeah. right? The trick is where's the line between things that matter and don't. Yeah. Um, for instance. Uh, over the last few years, my stance on the complementarian egalitarian issue has become stronger. Mm. Um, and it's because it's this cultural, what's going on in the culture is, is a lie mm. ab- about how God made men and women and the roles he made them to fill. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you get in the church and you have uh, teaching that, um, no, it, there is no distinction in role. To me, that's that getting off by just a couple of degrees yeah. that starts a person on a path that leads to absolute confusion. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, can you be a Christian and believe that a woman can be a pastor? Of course. Um, is that a serious error that I would call false teaching? Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, not everyone would put it that seriously. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I don't know. Uh, what are some issues like that that are close to the middle for you that you wrestle with of like, uh, how serious is it? Yeah, for me, it is worship and music. Uh, that in the past few years, I've become really uh, staunch on seeing like need, the need for the line to be drawn. Um, so... You've come so far. It's so when you true. first I'm got so here, you, you chose to come in and just to press my buttons, you would play Bethel songs. Yeah, and, and I'm like, oh, now I'm like the grumpiest human when it comes to worship it's, and like even true. decent songs. I'm like, that's garbage. <laughs> yeah, so <clears throat> lately it has really been worship for me. Um, hmm. Am I focusing on the sound, the aesthetics, the what is this bringing me? How am I feeling in worshiping? Or am I truly worshiping the Lord and the truths of the Lord, even in the words that I'm singing and how I'm feeling? Uh, So I am, we all know this, I'm an emotional human being. (laughs) And it's easy for me to be swayed emotionally. And I know that of myself. And music especially is one thing that I connect with and can really feel the emotions of lyrics and sounds and stuff like that. And yet, when it comes to worship, it's like I would not attend a church that is singing about what 
the Lord is doing for me and how uh, wishy, swishy, <laughs> wishy, swishy God's being and presence is. Um, it's important to remember like who God is and why we're worshiping yeah. and not get caught up in the emotion of how it's making me feel. Right. Uh, and yeah, just have that reverence and that fear for the Lord even in the songs that I'm singing and how I'm singing them. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't mean that I'm not still a hand raiser and I still don't cry. Um, Jackson, one of the songs that we've been singing with him is Jesus Strong and Kind. Man, and I'll get choked up right now. Mm. Um, and to hear my almost two-year-old sing about Jesus said, if I am lost, he will come to me. And he showed me on that cross that he will come to me for the Lord is good and faithful. He will keep us day and night. Uh, we can always run to Jesus, Jesus strong and kind. And it's like, man, <laughs> hearing a tiny child sing those words just makes me tear up. Like, yeah. uh, but it's the truth that he is learning in the song that matters. It's not the cool dim lights and the fog <laughs> machine and the style of music. Yeah. And uh, like at the same time, um, why, uh, why the Bible has music books in it and a lot of poetry and stuff is because uh, specifically one of the reasons is to engage the emotions specifically Yeah. Um, in, in a way that preaching might not. Yeah. Um, so the, yeah, it's like, I, I guess when it comes to music, um, are you simply being emotionally manipulated, mm -hmm. which is, scientifically really easy to do with music yeah um or do they uh write the musical part to accent the truth of the words yeah. that they're um and, and if they do that then the emotions that you feel associated with that is just a really well-written song yeah and i guess for me <clears throat> where the line is is like there's some music that uh it's just I think that that's the gateway for that one or two degree shift. Right. Uh, where yeah. if that's really truly what you're believing and music is so easy to just like get in your head and think about and sing constantly and then all of a sudden that's what you're believing. Mm -hmm. And that's how you're viewing the lens, like your lens of scripture and you're kind of finding truth within that and then all of a sudden you're... Yeah. Yeah. So an, another one that I guess could be uh, near the middle before we move on um, would just be the issue of, um, I guess it could be considered cessationism mm -hmm. versus um, continuationism. Yes. Uh, and where that gets more dogmatic for me is if someone says like, God does new fresh revelations outside of scripture today. Mm -hmm. Um, because then you can literally say, well, God told me to get a divorce. Uh, well, the Bible says not to. Yeah, but God told me to. And it's like, no, he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guarantee you that's wrong. So yeah. it, it just, it introduces this authority issue. Um, and, and many, uh, continuationists in that category, they, they would be smart enough to not directly contradict scripture. But in my opinion, they don't have a theology that um, that makes that necessary. Of yeah. just like um, you have what you consider uh, a divine word of revelation directly from the Lord from outside of Scripture, 
and it's like how do we test that yeah and if it's like we'll just test it by what's clear in scripture then it's like well why don't we just go off of what scripture says yeah um so, uh, yeah, there's all sorts of issues there in the middle that are tricky, and that's, that's part of the challenge there. Um, okay, let's see. One of the things I think that's important as you're navigating this is just uh, to ask questions. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy for us to make assumptions. Yeah. Uh, so you meet a new Christian, and they say one thing, and you, you the hair on the back of your neck raises, and you're like, that sounds weird. And so many of us just make a list of assumptions mm-hmm. of, oh, they must think this, 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 and this. Um, let's let's say, um, oh, I was reading a Joyce Meyer book. <laughs> um, they might not agree with anything in the book, mm-hmm. but we assume that, they, that they're like Joyce Meyer's number one fan. Yeah. Um, or fill in the blank, like people just say something... Um, uh, I was saved at a Billy Graham crusade, and we assume, oh, they just agree with everything Billy Graham ever stood for. They might not. Yeah. So um, just be willing to spend some time with people, ask questions, seek honest understanding, give the benefit of the doubt. Um, and trust me, there's enough false uh, beliefs out there. Like, you can give them all the benefit of the doubt in the world, and you'll still be able to fight false teachers yeah. <laughs> um, often enough. So. Yeah, and um, having conversations with people that uh, are willing to open Scripture with you and talk about the truths of Scripture, to me, have been some of the most fruitful conversations, even if we disagree. Yeah. Um, to where we're both... In the word, and I guess that's another difference in my brain of, like, the incorrect teaching versus the false teaching of, like, if I know that this person truly loves the Lord and understands salvation, and yet we both disagree on baptism, um, and yet we're both using, like, we're having this talk or this debate or whatever using scripture and with love, it's like, all right, we agree to disagree, (laughs) but I... I'm not going to tell people to not talk to you because you're a wolf, you know, something like that. Yep. Um, So when it comes to responding, like, so there's this whole process of navigating through you, you have to be in the word, you have to um, be in fellowship and have teachers that you trust that you still test against uh, Mm -hmm. scripture um, and just know what you believe and why. And you have that category, the, the those four uh, categories of how serious it is. You understand what someone actually believes. And then you kind of prayerfully discern, um, is this like full-fledged false teaching we're dealing with? Or is this like, oh, we just happen to disagree on this point? Um, once you identify someone like this is a false teacher, this this is someone who is uh, actively representing um, a serious biblical error, um, there's responses to that, and there's responses on the part of the church members and, and um, responses on the part of uh, church leaders, elders, and pastors. Um, so just as far as church members... Uh, there's a few passages, and maybe you can say just experientially uh, how you as a church member would would respond to um, false teaching. Yeah, so let me read one of these. 
passages. Galatians 1, 6 through 9 says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we are if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. Uh, this scripture obviously is very black and white, but like when you hear somebody proclaim a gospel that's not the gospel, you should absolutely make it known and make sure to not be a part of it and like off put it completely. Yeah. Uh, and so there are famous teachers and pastors and preachers that I would say would fall under that category. Um, and I should not have anything to do with them. <laughs> I shouldn't listen to them just, you know, like I just should be really diligent to make it known, like especially in a church setting, we're not going to be reading Joyce Meyer at our Bible study, um, for instance. It's just like a very hard line of why we're not and who we're not. Uh, And there's even websites, actually, that I know of that give you a list of people that are false teachers and why, Mm -hmm. um, and to go through that. Uh, But I guess one of the big things for me that I actually have a question on is if, say, somebody comes in and tells us about this amazing teacher, blah, 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 and it's obvious that it's wrong. Uh, As a church, are we supposed to, like, come to you first and be like, what the heck do we do with this? Like, is that the first response of a person in the church is, hey, pasta? Uh, When you say come to you, you mean, like, someone visits you and Danny and, like, you're having dinner and they say, hey, have Um, you heard of so-and-so? They're great. We've even had... Uh, just people come to our church, like in our church, and during prayer and praise time, you can see that it's derailing and crashing visibly, and there's sure. flames. Sure. Uh, yeah, in those scenarios, I guess, like, what do you do? Yeah, so it, I guess it would just depend on the situation. So it, if it happens publicly uh, in in a church gathering mm-hmm. setting, then it's more my responsibility to either publicly or literally individually just go around to the, the key people who I think need to know mm-hmm. um, and just correct it. Okay. Um, if if it were somebody just in your home, um, I, I think if you are confused as mm-hmm. to is this, is this person good or bad or whatever, um, obviously that would be a good thing to talk to your elder about, um, in this case, me. <laughs> um, uh, and, yeah, if you have any questions, obviously, you could um, ask. But if it's obvious to you um, that, you know, you don't have to, like, run it by me, yeah. um, so to speak. But uh, Yeah, so what I've found in ministry is, especially among conservative, um, reformed-leaning people... Uh, there's almost this giddiness about pointing out far away false teachers about like, oh, Rob Bell, such a tool, <laughs> um, blah, blah, blah. And like, yeah, he is. But um, is he actually pose- presenting any danger to the people of our church? No, <laughs> not really. Where it gets a lot trickier um, for individuals, uh, members of a church, as well as the leadership of a church 
um, it is when it gets a lot closer to home. And uh, so we, we've had some, some situations since I've been here where things, uh, things get a little sideways um, among the beliefs of uh, like key people in the church. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, responding to that, um, you, I think, is a lot more what Paul's talking about, like in Second Timothy 4 to begin the chapter. Uh, Paul says to Timothy, um, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is uh, to judge the living and the dead by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Mm-hmm. And so um, remember that you know they didn't have the internet and weren't watching sermons on YouTube when yeah. Paul wrote this. So it, like he, he was telling Timothy uh to be on guard and warn about the false teachers in their midst right there in Ephesus. And so um we're called to do the much more difficult thing which is to warn about the bad ideas that are right here. Yeah. Um so there's te- there's teachers and preachers and ministries locally that um I've either either alluded to um clearly enough that anyone who's in danger of it would definitely know and there have been even a couple of times where just by name uh we mention them and there have even been situations from our own church where uh without bashing anyone we have to just say these are really really bad ideas Mm -hmm. and you need to know that yeah one of the things i guess for our church as a church member that's been super helpful in this is our adult Sunday school class just having the opportunity to talk about these things, study these things as a group, and then like actually have discussion and question time together as a church has really helped me. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be able to bring a topic to our Sunday school room and uh, just dive deep into scripture about it, talk about it, pray with one another about it, uh, yeah having a conversation about it has really helped me uh, figure out what in our everyday life should we be concerned about. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's one of the um, less happy aspects Mm -hmm. of uh, pastoral work for sure. Um, Just, you know, spending time with the sheep next to the babbling brook (laughs) is pretty fun. Mm and uh, feeding the sheep while you have a snack yourself is fun. <laughs> but, um, yeah, those those times when you go, why does that sheep have fangs? <laughs> um, and then you have to fight it off um, is significantly less fun and scary, and sometimes yep. there's bloodshed. Um, so I have so. a question for you. <laughs> sure. Um, lately, we've done a lot of talking and just seeing and observing a lot of teachers who uh, 
have had great years of ministry, great teaching, um, very like biblically sound and all of that. But then later on it comes out. So Robbie Zacharias would be an instance where it comes out that like who they were was a wolf. Yeah. Um, what in those scenarios would be your advice on still using them as a tools of growth and ministry? Um, so specifically, uh, I think of a pastor and like, I really enjoy their sermon series. Is it wrong of me to like still listen to their sermon series, even though they themselves have fallen? Right. So, uh, the different forms of, uh, wolves, Mm -hmm. uh, to use the shepherding metaphor, um, I think it depends on the kind of wolf. So there are the kinds of wolves, um, and it it reflects Satan's different strategies, by the way. Uh, There's a kind of attack that someone can have where it's a distortion of truth. Mm. Um, And um, at the moment that it's being spoken and after the fact, if you have the book on your shelf, there's never a time when, when that's helpful other than if you're doing a study on false teaching and you go this book is false teaching and you keep that in (laughs) mind as you're reading it yeah um there's a stamp you can get on some website somewhere where you you stamp the front of the book and it's like heretical garbage (laughs) used for research purposes only or something like that um so if you want to be obnoxious you can get that but uh so there's that form then there's the form of uh, a Mark Driscoll or a Ravi Zacharias and Artazertia, uh, th- the kinds of folks who are certainly wolves, um, but the the damage is not in the wrongness of what they say. Yeah, uh, the damage is in the fact that they don't live in alignment with what they say. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Uh, I personally, um, once the emotions fade, uh, the book of Revelation, for instance, Artaxerxia, um, has, uh, sermons on the book of Revelation that are incredibly helpful. It's still like kind of this emotional, um, bungee jump experience to, to listen to those. But there's just certain passages where it's like... uh, Honestly, it's still the best resource. And so, like, if I can get through the emotional hoops of, like, the guy saying this doesn't actually buy what he's selling um, and just listen to what he's saying, um, I still think it it can be useful just as long as you understand, like, um, I, I wouldn't any longer recommend those resources necessarily, but for yourself, Mm -hmm. um, I think you've had some Ravi Zacharias uh, positive influence from what he's taught. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say, like, you have to get rid of all of it. Um, but that's a discussion the whole culture has of, yeah. like, icky stuff comes out about this film director who made all these amazing movies. What do we do with the movies? Yeah. Um, and a, an argument could certainly be made um, across the spectrum there. But I personally uh, still... Um, that if it's a good resource it's a good resource um and just kind of don't tell a whole lot of people I guess, <laughs> yeah unless you're listening to a podcast so yeah. yeah it's been 
a challenge to kind of work through that lately of like you know that this person is a false teacher and yet the teaching that they did was really good and so it's just like this nuanced area that I'm still working through yeah and um this is probably too simple but um in Philippians Paul talks about people the gospel that they're teaching isn't false Mm -hmm. but the their motive for teaching it is um and and he says Christ is proclaimed and I'm stoked about that. Yeah. Uh, so th- that's kind of the category that I put good teaching for the wrong reason or from a wrong person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's kind of how I understand those folks. So. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. And I have no clue what we're talking about next week. So it's chaos <laughs> over here. Bye. Bye. <laughs>